Hello and thank you so much as always for clicking on this podcast and this particular episode of Joe Blogs about films, whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, all the same. It is greatly appreciated and I honestly thank you so much for your constant, constant support. Oppenheimer has finally dropped in cinemas, Christopher Nolan's latest feature. And uh, usually when it comes to film reviews and such, I, I usually you know take a few, write some notes down and then roll with it from there. But... I've just come away from this cinema from watching Oppenheimer and I was like, I've, I don't even know where to begin really other than just to start off straight up by saying genuinely left me speechless. I remember the film finished as soon as it ended, just kind of had to take a minute before just getting up and, and obviously vacating our seats and such. And I, I've, I, it's been such a long time since I've had that kind of reaction, obviously positive, you know what I mean, to... to to something like an, it's, it really does feel a bit like an event, like a, a moment that this film uh, from Christopher Nolan, who, my goodness, can't really praise enough. His career is just absolutely textbook. You know, what I mean, incredible career. But I do, I do really understand the, the sentiments and the statements that are coming out that this is going to be a film that we will come back to our viewers for a long time. This will be studied. This will come back to you know, as, as, as like a pivotal moment for cinema, for, for a lot of things, you know what I mean? And obviously it's left such an impression on me, you know what I mean? Like I was quite taken aback by this film, this incredible feature that I don't really know, understand how Nolan has managed to, to pull this off. I mean, we all know he's a, a tremendous filmmaker and such, but good heavens, this is, this is something, something remarkable really. And I probably will end up praising Nolan an awful lot, but there's so many factors in this in this latest release, Oppenheimer, that make it such an epic, epic release. And, you know, we enjoy cinema. People who listen to this podcast, we enjoy cinema. These are the films that we go to see. And so when it's done to such incredible strengths as this, it's it's actually like, you're kind of taken back by it. So obviously it's, it could be a little bit here and there this episode, but I will try and keep on top of things. But I thank you as always for clicking on the podcast and say it is available on rss.com. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know the drill. Anywhere and everywhere you can get a podcast from, it's there, or at least should be. If not, let me know. Uh, But jump onto the socials as well. Give us a like and a follow on Instagram and Facebook. Just search Joe Blogs About Films. That would be absolutely, absolutely great. And just, just, yeah, leave us a review. That too would be awesome. So Oppenheimer, while being interrogated about supposed communist links, J. Robert Oppenheimer reflects on his achievements and mistakes as the architect of the atom bomb. You know, when when it was announced, let's go back to when this was announced. It's kind of like a one of those one of those where you're like, oh, that, that could be really interesting. You can definitely see something that Nolan would do, but it's a way of how to do something like this to like appeal to your everyday moviegoers. Or, I mean, in fairness, there are going to be people that are going to probably definitely not want to watch this. I know it's coming out. Barbie and, and Oppenheimer have come out on the same day, and there'll be there'll be people watching Barbie that have no interest in watching Oppenheimer and vice versa. So. With Nolan, I think that you you understand what he's going to do with his films, at least. Or if you're a fan of his work, you can kind of see how he could take this moment of time, of history, and make it into this real huge event, you know what I mean, on the big screen. Because he is, as I've already stated, a pretty, pretty good director. You know, he he knows how to make a film. Like, I, I, there's not really been a bad one. Even the ones that people are like, um, and Aronova, say Tenet, for example it's still got some absolutely remarkable sequences in there. I personally really, really love Tenet, but I do get that there are fans out there that aren't too fussed of it. But even still, there's always going to be something that's going to kind of take your breath away from a Nolan film, and we've seen that 
over say the whole course of his career he's managed to dabble in everything and it almost feels like his career has been leading to something like this i have no idea how he's managed to do this without any cgi because you see so many sequences maybe of just killian murphy you know portraying oppenheimer thinking like you can see like he's just having a stare just, just completely glazed over staring out and we're seeing like the particles or like you know this kind of infusion this and that, that going off and honestly from the moment the film starts it, it, it honestly takes your breath away like i was sat there we see this huge element or whatever on screen kicking off and you feel it like the shaking the the whole surround sound of the cinema you feel it in your chest and i haven't been it's a three-hour film and i have not been this engaged and, and almost transfixed watching a film in such a bloody long time like every film i've seen up this year even like i think the, the best film i've seen so far would probably i would say would be john wick and granted they're two completely different films altogether but even in 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 john wick i would say that there are moments where i could have easily you know just like just staring at the screen without necessarily taking it in uh whereas this you are you are really like stuck in your seat and you cannot take your eyes off the screen three hours long to not feel like a three hour long film I honestly applaud him for that, but I just have no idea how he's managed to do this without CGI. It's incredible what he's, what he's put together. And again, that's, that aids to the quality and the absolutely excellence of this film, that everything is on-set location, everything is practical. It all feels believable. There is no green screen in sight. There's on-set location. Like, the whole the whole world, I say, I know it's a piece of history, but you feel like you're in there. You feel like you are by, by Oppenheimer's side in everything. Uh, you know, watching him discover, you know, learn how to make the atomic bomb. You feel like you're there. Like we were saying as well with my friends afterwards that it definitely, you feel like you're watching a documentary, but you're not. And, and you know, we are not be around the bush. We're not saying it's not a long film with this. It's, it's three hours. And if you are not a fan of... A lot of talking, a lot of conversations, a lot of smoking men in rooms, this, that, and the other. This isn't going to be your cup of tea. This isn't going to be your cup of tea at all. And that you probably walk away thinking, that's pretty disappointing. I don't really get what the hype is about. But for me personally, to be engaged in these conversations, you know, seeing Oppenheimer, you know, kind of go through the interrogation of whether he was, in fact, you know, having the best interests of the American people or the American country, that is, I should say, at heart. Every element of it was so, so good. And we'll come to Killian Murphy's performance in just a tick, but the whole story and how Nolan presents it, you are left breathless with what you've seen and, and had to like endure for the three hours. And I mean that in the most positive sense, because there's no like guidance, you know what I mean? Because we know that Nolan's going to mess around with time. Time, he loves to do that. It's not linear or anything like that. He's constantly flipping back and forth. So obviously we have the fact as well that the film is split between obviously colour and black and white. The colour segments of the film, they're, they're titled Fission and the other fusion, which is the black and white high contrast sequences. And again, I did really enjoy that. But the thing is, they flick between them so quickly and like without any room for trying to work out what, what period of time this actually is. But the genius behind Nolan and his scripts and such is that everything falls into place at the end when it comes back around and we learn more of like more twists and turns that have come into this this story. Because if you don't know the Oppenheimer story and necessarily about him, you know, not only creating the atomic bomb, but the repercussions and ramifications of that and everything that came in between, that's where like it gets so interesting. Because I, I know bits and bobs, like I famously know obviously the Oppenheimer speech, you know, I am become death, destroyer of worlds. That interview, I remember I've seen it so many times and I always find it like really just kind of chilling to see someone, this creator of something that caused such deaths and having seen that like morality and the inner turmoil, obviously all like, you know, just, just questioning whether he did the right thing there. Like it's absolutely, 
my goodness, this story is, like I say, to make something solely about that, but in such a gripping spectacle, you have to give props to Nolan. You have to. But obviously, Killian Murphy is the lead of this film, Oppenheimer, and this is such a stunning performance for him. Like it's it's so good to see him getting this kind of limelight. Obviously, we we as obviously in the UK we we've seen him kind of progress. Obviously, from the you know let's say small indie films and Twenty Eight Days Later. Obviously, when that's that was a very small budget indie horror film that turned into such huge success, gaining sequels. We've seen him go from that obviously to Peaky Blinders. I mean, I personally love him in the film Red Eye, obviously directed by Wes Craven. But it's so fantastic to see him take this role and just run with it like he does resemble Oppenheimer to an extent anyways but I fully was immersed and so captivated by his performance and portrayal and as I say to be able to show this genius obviously work his way to creating the atomic bomb seeing it work and then as I say the repercussions of that in particular how that has you know impacted his psyche and such and and the thought of the deaths and the the number of deaths and such that he's caused and the fact that it's a gateway now for humanity to destroy themselves by creating bigger bombs obviously the hydrogen bomb was obviously talked about after the atomic bomb this and that and just seeing how that really does play on Oppenheimer in the film there's obviously other elements to his you know we talk about the mistakes he's made in his reflection we see all of that because he does heavily focus on those mistakes within the film you know like his entanglement with Florence Pugh and the relationship they had there and again the repercussions of that to then his relationship with his wife and what's happening there and such is all of it is there the true reflection is laid out on the table for you and I just think Killian Murphy just absolutely just blew me away with it and Credit again back to the editing team and Nolan for how it was all put together with these interview moments or like if he's just speaking to a crowd post the, the atomic bomb and the, the bombing on Japan and such as has happened. We see these moments of, of absolute joy and euphoria from the crowd cut into Killian Murphy's Oppenheimer who's saying all the things that the people want to hear but then in reality or in his mindset at least he, all he can hear is silence and just the screams of the people that have sadly lost their lives in the bombing um it, it just honestly it is such a very moving and, and incredibly tough watch at times but as I say at the at the forefront and at the heart of this is an incredible performance from killian murphy who it might be too early to talk about oscars and such but i i, I suspect and i'll be I, I i've said this before in fact i know for a fact i've said this before that i've i've gone in it was till it was till i was said after watching till Oscars nominations all over it and it got zero so I don't want to jinx Oppenheimer or anything but there's, there's a serious number of people in this film including Killian of course that should be nominated for, for best uh, for best actor and best supporting actor and you know speaking of best supporting actors I guess it'd be a nice time just to quickly jump to Robert Downey Jr who again absolutely like to go from playing Iron Man obviously this character that he's been playing for god knows how many years 10 plus years or whatever to coming back into a, a a role so so vastly different um, in Louis Strauss in this and just the history that he and Oppenheimer had and again I, I didn't know too much about this 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 you know Louis Strauss as a person and such and what you know what he had to do with the whole Oppenheimer you know interrogation and, and and trying to play it out that he was linked to the communist this and that which again I am trying to keep this spoiler free but again apologies if I do give in to any minor spoilers or whatever but I had no idea about obviously Louis Strauss as a, as I say as a figure in the American government and such and so he just delivered and as I say to go from playing Iron Man to this I think he's so it's like he reminds you that holy holy shit like he's actually a very very good actor uh, not that I'm saying that Iron Man like downplayed his acting skills or whatever it's just he's so refreshing to see him do something so so different 
and he absolutely like any scene that he was in he just really really was um bright spark obviously not if him and if it, when him and Killian Murphy were in good god that was like an absolute like recipe for delightness and an incredible performance you know what I mean but Killian was the only the other actor in the room that could really compete with Robert Downey Jr because honestly so so good and again he does focus mainly in the fusion segments of the film which is all the black and white and yeah, he just did such a great job with this. As to Emily Blunt as well, who, again, you could argue could get a, a good nomination for supporting role because she plays Oppenheimer's wife, Kitty. I just think that she, again, every scene that she was in, she gets a fantastic one uh, towards the end of the film, you know, part of the hearing and part of the interrogation, whatever, with Oppenheimer and such. She gets a real, real fantastic moment uh, where she completely puts everyone into their place. You know, all these guys, all these men thinking they're going to be able to, you know, twist her words or kind of put her down for just being a woman or whatever, this, that, and the other. They think they're going to just be able to have a real hold on her. But she's the smartest person in that room. Man alive, is she a, a, a great force, you know what I mean? Because that scene when she, she at the end is, oh my goodness... I was chuckling, I was with her, I was like, yes, like fist pump moment. She's really, really excellent. Again, I thought her and Killian were fantastic. And she has a line in the film where kind of obviously comes out the revelation in a way about, you know, Oppenheimer's entanglement with Florence Pugh's character, Jean, I believe she's called. And um, the line she says, you know, can be put completely into context with what he did, what he's done or, or is about to achieve with the atomic bomb, like, you know, like saying, I, I, I'm going to be paraphrasing, but it was along the lines of, you know, something that you make your mistake and then you you want everyone to pity you. Something something like you want everyone to feel sorry for you, this, that and the other. The guilt and the grief, obviously, what he's, is what he's done. It's it's kind of like, well, you you did that, you know what I mean? That, that How can then suddenly you expect everyone to feel sorry for what you've done, what you've created? So, again, really, really great stuff. And I, I thought she was really great, but really, really excellent. But... It's just one of those, there's so many actors in this film, by the way, that I, I can't possibly go through them. I'm just going to reel off a few others that were really great. I mean, my, my friends always laugh at me about this as well, but like Matt Damon, like I, the last two films now I've seen him in, I've actually really liked him. And I'll say maybe with, uh, maybe with older and, and getting wise, I'm actually warming to him. But Matt Damon uh, as Leslie Groves, I thought it was ace as well. I, I really liked the dynamic of the back and forth between him and Oppenheimer. You know, Leslie Groves has been obviously part of the military, been, been a sergeant, whatever, you know, and then Oppenheimer just being this this scientist, you know, that they, they don't think the same, this, that, and the other. To see that conflict and that contrast at times was really, really ace. But again, it was very humorous as well. I did like the back and forths. They had some good... And this is the thing, like, people say about, like, you, the, there's no real humor in Nolan's films or there's no emotion in there whatsoever. I, I'd be so surprised if anyone comes out of this film and thinks that, you know what I mean, thinks that oh yeah, like I wasn't at all like emotionally moved by this film or I wasn't in any way thinking there was any real relationship or anything because there's so much emotion in this film as well. Like I said, particularly from, say from Oppenheimer and from everyone around him, I say this is such a, a huge defining moment and one that again is still to this day has had such a lasting effect. You know, it's just, it, it gave humanity the the the, the tools to destroy themselves and if anything we've just continued to do that there's so much so much to to go over from this film that like I, we were saying that it's possibly going to be one of those where I'm just giving you my thoughts now my straight up out of the cinema thoughts but I, I'm going to definitely be watching this film again and I think there's just going to be so much more to talk about with it at such a, a later date as well because it honestly it's so it, it, I, I genuinely I, it's, it's weird I've gone and waffled on for however long but I was left genuinely speechless by this film um, so so much sad. There were so many 
parts of it that I just wasn't expecting. Because it's the thing, it, it's, it is a character study. It's a character piece on him, but it's not like a biopic in a way or anything like that. It's just a case of, we start off obviously seeing him working within the university of that and then moving over to then becoming father of the atomic bomb. It's such a, you can't imagine that weight, you know what I mean, of, of what you've done, of what you created. But Nolan does it, has, has done a really, really top job with it to make it so consumable as well. And yeah, there's going to be parts where you might not be following it as as well as what you'd maybe like to when you're watching it, but you still can't help but really, really engage with the film. And then for me anyways, any parts that I was a little bit unsure of, by the end when it comes full circle and the, the kind of like the hammer comes down, you're like, oh, okay. It's such a, it's such a fantastic one. The other thing I want to mention as well is Ludwig Göransson's score, which again is just absolutely... 10 out of 10 excellent. There's obviously talk about when it comes to Nolan films how the sound kind of drowns out the, uh, the the audio and such and that you can't really hear many conversations. I mean, yes, it's there to an extent. I wouldn't say that it was anywhere near as bad, though, as Tenet. Um, and even then with Tenet, I didn't, I didn't really notice it too much. And obviously, I noticed the score getting loud and such, but I felt like I'd not missed out on anything. Um, I, whether, that, whether for whatever reason I've got some ultrasonic hearing, I have no idea, but I, I picked up everything that was said in this film anyway. Do you know what I mean? Any, anything important who, you know, just the, the sound itself though, when it, when it really wanted to, you know, hit you and with a massive oomph, it does, you know what I mean? It really, like I say, there were parts in this where you can feel everything in your chest and your whole body's like shaking from the sound and such. And, yeah, the score though, absolutely great. I, I really do think that Ludwig Göransson is now getting up there to like, you know, like I mean, he's done so many amazing things that you know, he's he's so easy now to put him in a category alongside of like Johann Zimmer's and such and such because he is really really nailing it. But I thought that, you know, from from what we've seen in the trailer, because the trailer gave me goosebumps, let alone the three hour film. But I could tell straight away that the score was going to really really come hand in hand. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that I, I want to get off straight off the bat. I mean. The thing as well with, with Nolan, I was, I was saying earlier about this film just really running along and you have to just go with it, whether you're lost or whether... you're Not not, not lost, because I'm not trying to give off the impression it's really confusing, because it's really not. It's just that there'll be so many characters to try and keep up with. What I did like that didn't feel like it was spoon-feeding, but it was moments where they'd be talking about a certain character that we'd seen before in the film, and they'd flash up for just a brief second, like a, just a, a beat, you know, from when we'd previously seen, like, Oppenheimer with him or such and such. And I thought that was such a really clever move and a really nice move for the audience as well, so that if you weren't too sure about the names that were being dropped, you were like, oh, okay, thank you very much, Mr. Nolan. I really do appreciate that. But I, I just have... Uh, I just have a lot of praise for this film. I, I genuinely think that it, it's um, it's got so much in there that I was not expecting. You know, we we we've been kind of build this film that's going to be solely about the creation of the toy bomb, and you're thinking, right, well, when it's created and when the bombings happen, that's when the film's going to end. But there is so much more that comes after it. Like that is just part of the story, and then following that is obviously this whole, you know, not court case drama situation, but just this you know, real, real, like, interrogation um, just by following Oppenheimer, admitting, you know, that that moral dilemma that he's um, got blood on his hands, basically, for what he's done. I think that all of that following um, just really, really, like, the, the last hour and a half of the film just does not let up. It just grabs you. I mean, I was grabbed from the first minute, but it really squeezes you tight for the last hour and a half, and it is such a, such a compelling film. It's one of the films that I genuinely feel that we just all need to watch at some point. Um, I feel like there's been so much kind of pushed in the market in front, and, you know, obviously we've had the Barbenheimer, this and that, but I feel that it has been building and building, like I said, with, with this release, and it's going to be spoken about for such a long time just because of its subject matter, which obviously is very dark in, in tone and such, but I think that Nolan has done... 
almost the impossible with it. You know, I mean, we've got no CGI, but also you made such a dark and heavy theme historical event and managed to, like I say, put it on the big screen in, in this incredible spectacle. And yeah, I, I, like I say, if, I, if I'm pausing between words, it's because I'm genuinely just kind of taken aback at how fantastic this film was. I guess with that being said, I'm just going to lay it out. 10 out of 10? 10, 10 out of 10. Of course it's a 10 out of 10. Well, yeah, up there as film of the year, without a shadow of a doubt. And I will definitely look to do a revisit, whether that's with, with, with guests on for that. That may be cool to get some of the different perspectives on it as well. Everyone that I saw the film with was in agreement that it was such a such a fantastic trip to the cinema. Um Killian Murphy, fantastic. Every, everyone, everyone, all the names that I've not mentioned, there are so many people in this film, but everyone brought their A-game. Nolan has truly, truly done something uh, phenomenal, and I can't wait to talk to more people about this film. So let me know when you've seen it. Give us a like and a follow on socials, this and that. Get in touch on Facebook and Instagram. Joe blogs about film, search that like and all that jazz. That would be amazing. Please leave a review as well. But yeah, just get in touch and talk to you about Oppenheimer. I, I will definitely look at doing another revisit of it at some point in the future. Um, maybe sooner than expected, because cheese knees, that is, that is certainly one heck of a film. Until the next episode, thank you again. Take care.